Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Be Better Tomorrow podcast. I am your host, Jason Fisher. This month, I have Naran Tillman, a man of many talents on the show. He's not only one of the founders behind Urban Yogis, but also a pastor of One Ministries Church and the host of the Walk in Victory podcast, which, as of supporting, had its most recent guest, Jason Fisher. This month, we're talking about mindfulness and what that really means. It's a catchphrase that you hear a lot of people talking about, but Naran's going to lay down for us what it is and why it is super important if you actually want to get something done to slow down. All right, well, here's my man, Naran Tillman. This has been a great relationship. We kicked off this getting to know one another. It was on your show a couple weeks ago. I had to have you on my show to talk to folks about something. We're going to focus on mindfulness. I think a lot of times we're out running, trying to get something done, and oftentimes we're busy, but we're not really intentional about what's going on. Correct me if I'm wrong, but intentionality and what you're doing is a really important part of mindfulness. Is that true? Yes. Yes, mindfulness. Being intentional and the catchphrase is being in the now. Yeah, so what does that mean exactly? Being in the now. Um, being present with your thoughts or with your surroundings. Being present with the sounds. Uh, one of the techniques that we use is being present with your thoughts. A lot of times people think that when we meditate, we have to shut down our brain. But I like to allow the brain to yeah. run. So I, I challenge people to try to find out what your most dominant thought is and see then if you can slow it down. So I let you just be silent and hear your thoughts. And I, I always start there when people first start with mindfulness practices with me. So, so my primary thought when I me- try to meditate is <laughs> I should be doing something more productive. <laughs> and, <laughs> what and would you tell me? That's a, that's a good thought because you're like, I should be doing something more productive. I should be doing something. Then I will ask you to try to slow it down. So fine. The, the next step would be, okay, once you identify your next thought, try to slow it down so that you can see that you can control your thoughts. So the, the problem is, when, when our minds race, we usually tend to lean towards where our mind is racing. So a person like me who has a part to sit still, am I saying, all right, let me go get some ice cream. And then while I'm in the middle of getting ice cream, I'm like, oh man, let me go check the mail. And then I forget to put the ice cream back in it. And I have five different projects going on at the same time. And then my wife comes in and she's like, what? What did the kids do? But it wasn't the kids, it was me. <laughs> yeah. Now let her think it's the kids. That's what I do all the time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I got I'll it. I'll talk to him. Don't worry about it. So how do we slow, <laughs> slow that down? And um, I think that's one of the most powerful lessons that we learn. Um, and that's why I start with that because I know the way that, that I, I process, the way that I am, and how mindfulness helped me to slow down. Do you find it's harder and harder with the distractions? That like Being alone with my thoughts is difficult, and so I don't mm-hmm. even bother. I pick up my phone. If I'm not if I'm not doing mm-hmm. something active like journaling, then like I've, I've tried to do Headspace, did that consistently for about a week, um, and then I just I, I would get to the I would need to be doing something. Uh, I'll just go to work. Let me just go something. But is it harder now than it may have been? Yes. Because we have, distraction in our because we have programmed ourselves to always to busy ourselves. So now we have to do escalate. We have to do program. So what what I do and I, and I do this with the kids and I found out that it works with adults <laughs> also. So we start with a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. If I can get you to sit still for a minute and a half, 
Um, most people try to do two, 30 minutes and you never really sat still for 30 minutes is a long time. Right. But yeah, <laughs> that, that made me choke so a little bit. Start with that. a minute and a half. And then it, if I can get you to do a minute and a half for three days a week, by that third week, I'll have you up to five minutes. You wouldn't even realize the difference because really the only difference between a minute and a half and five minutes is the fact that you know that five minutes passed. Right? And how do you know that? You're looking at your phone. Okay. You're looking at your, you, you, you're fiddling. But sitting still, minute and a half, three days a week would, would be. And then I move people from, I guide them. I do guided meditations or guided mindfulness practices. Move them from varied exercises. So it's really like an exercise that we're both engaging in. Sometimes it's sitting in, in, in thought, contemplation. Sometimes it's breath work. We're, we're doing various breathing exercises. I don't tell people they have to sit in a certain posture. If you, if you feel more comfortable walking, if you feel comfortable laying down, if you feel comfortable put your hands up, like whatever makes you feel comfortable in the moment, um, let's, let's be comfortable in that moment. So that's interesting because I've never, I've never heard anybody talk about being able to do this while you're walking. I think that would, there's probably a lot of misconceptions out here now that we're talking about it because I understand the guided meditation part, although a lot of people may think you just have to sit and be silent, like you said earlier, but to be able to walk and walk through some of these processes, uh, I think would be really helpful, but I've always been I've assumed maybe, or been told that you should sit still, even if it's not a certain cross-legged position, but sit still, keep your eyes closed and focus on you know, whatever no, you're that's doing. One is that way. not always the case? And, and what happens is we get caught up in the way that we either learn or the way that um, we've seen someone else do it or the way that feels more comfortable to us. So it's easier for us to teach in that way. But for a person like me who may have a hard time sitting still, um, I had to develop. Yeah, me too. And I've watched others do walking meditations. Um, and, and to be mindful of the sounds. One of the walking meditations that, we, that w I would do is just to stare at something in front of you and just walk and then listen to the bus. And you don't even realize that you actually go into that place until you, you start to, to be there. So, and if my answer is long, you can cut me off. Because yeah, mindfulness is, is, is something that can be practiced and it's something that can be taught or it's something that can be utilized. And we are mindful of the things that we're mindful of. So what is your favorite thing that you like to do? Um, I probably spend time with my kids. Okay. And when you're spending time with your kids, how many kids do you have? Two girls. Two girls. You know what each girl wants. You know how to set the afternoon up. You know this one around sure. three o'clock. You're mindful of that relationship. So we're mindful of the things that we're mindful of, but we don't call it mindfulness. We call it being attentive or, right? That's just being mindful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're mindful of yeah, that Yeah, or intentional, yeah. Or intentional about that person's need. So we're mindful of, and that's without practice. But imagine how better your tomorrow would be <laughs> with a little bit of- <laughs> Nice. <laughs> with a little bit of practice to be mindful of my work. Part of mindfulness is like power thinking. I, I do this with a lot of executives. When we, before you start your day, 
you map out your day in your mind. You think your day through all of the moves, all of the motions, start with your biggest project, back down to your smallest project, and then seeing those projects completed and connecting with the reward of the feeling. So now when you go through the day, you've already mapped it out in your mind. And you you see yourself just breezing through those projects because you've already rehearsed it. I think that's so important because we so often oh, wake up, open up our computers, hit our email, and then we're, we're on somebody else's priorities at that mm-hmm. point. You know, what does somebody else want us to do right now? Oh, they want us to answer this email. So we're doing that. And we usually don't take time because when we get there, sometimes we're rushed. And, you know, in, in this time when a lot of us are working from home, maybe we just jump in and start work, but we don't take time to think about the work we need to get done. Mm-hmm. And we can be so much more productive and better at what we do, not just quantity, but quality. If like you said, we're processing those things, figuring out what's most important, how to get it done, seeing it be completed, and then focusing and making sure we stay on task to get those things. Done. Once it's done here, once it's done with the power thinking, then you can turn the power thinking into a power day because everyone else's mm-hmm thoughts for you or everyone else's emergencies won't become an emergency because you've already rehearsed in your, in your mind that these things need to be done and you'll, you'll breeze through them. It's hard for us to complete tasks in the middle of pandemic because we're, we're so caught up in watching the news. We're so caught up in all of the things that makes us have these feelings. So what mindfulness does is it helps us to become one with the feeling. It doesn't remove anxiety. That's one of the other misnomers. It, it allows us to settle with our anxieties. It allows us, it doesn't remove necessary fears, but it allows us to live with fear. How do I adapt and how do I adjust my mindset to be accepting of anxiety or fear or the things that, that are, seem to be insurmountable to me? Hmm. I, I have to process through the accepting of anxiety or fear because it feels to me that those things are naturally to be fixed or, 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 you know, so maybe mindfulness is supposed to help us get around it or, or, or get rid of that anxious feeling. So I'd, I'd like to hear more about what, what that means Live. if you're dealing with anxiety because we're all living with a low level anxiety or a high level mm-hmm. anxiety, depending on your situation right now. Um, but how would mindfulness help me? What would that look like? It helps us to live with it. Because we, we all have, um, we all like to live with joy. We like to live with happiness. We like to live with bliss. But then there's the other mm-hmm. side that we, ha- that we live with. They're the neighbors that are a little loud and rambunctious. <laughs> Anxiety, fear, sometimes depression, right? So mm-hmm. we, we try to act like they are not a part of our makeup, our character. And we act like they don't exist. And when you try to act like it doesn't exist, when it comes, it hits you and it, and it throws off everything. You can't function. You can't. Some people, some people can function really well. Yeah. And, 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 but for, for, for the most part, some people can't function with it. So what, what being mindful of is to say, all right, I'm not feeling good today. I'm a little anxious about this project. I'm going to sit with it. The anxiety is not going to leave, but I'm going to let the anxiety know that I, I, I'm mindful that it's there. I'm mindful that it exists. And what you do is you start to disarm it. 
when when you're going through one of those case in point, I would take somebody, think of a conflict. I want you to start to identify how your body feels when you think of these conflicts. This is what you call the invisible um, brand. Like when you hear a name, how does it make you feel? Do you get knots in your stomach or do you get butterflies in your stomach? Do your back tighten up? You start to become not only mindful of the fact that anxiety exists, you become mindful of the fact of what anxiety does and where it lives in your body and your being. When you're not looking at your neighbor, we're using anxiety as a neighbor, and, and where they lay at or where, which part of the house they, they rest, then they eventually take over. Mm-hmm. So when I start to get, if I'm mindful of the fact that anxiety makes my back hurt, when I start to have back pains, I'm like, oh man, maybe I'm about to be anxious about something. I become mindful of, of, of the fact that anxiety or fear may be about to creep in. Is that helpful? Yeah, I think so. It sounds like part of it is just understanding the feelings you have more. Mm-hmm. We've gone through that a little bit with my daughter, and I've talked about this a few times with other folks, but distinguishing between nervous and excited. You're, like in your stomach, oftentimes they feel the same way. And when you're young and don't have the words to express those emotions, sometimes you associate both of them as being bad. And so we've worked with her trying to distinguish that. And part of that is, okay, stop, pay attention to what's going on. What's making you feel this way? What's causing you to think that? Is this a nervous or is this an excited? We've, we've coined the phrase nerve sighted in our house. It's kind of you know, the, when the combination of the two hit. But allowing your brain to understand that and also understand that it doesn't have to stop you or paralyze you. That mm-hmm. you can do something about it or even understanding it I don't know if it become used to it is the right, is the right phrase, but uh, disarm it, I think is a good way to put it. Yeah. You're, you're having a mindful moment with your daughter mm-hmm. <laughs> because in that moment you, you want her to, what well, we used to say, take a chill pill and be still <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> calm down. Let's explore what's going on. All right. So whether it's starting your side hustle, getting that business started that you've always wanted to do, or simply having an online resume for yourself, you need a website, something simple, something clean, something that people can find when they look for you. You don't want them to find your Twitter account, your Instagram account, or anything else like that. You want them to find what you want to be shown. That's why I suggest DreamHost for all of your hosting needs. I've used DreamHost for 10 years. They've got awesome plans and great little techniques that will help get you started, including one-click installs of the web's most popular software, WordPress. WordPress powers 30% of the internet, if not more. I use it for all of my sites. You can see it in the footer at the bottom of my sites. It's easy to get started. It walks you right through. Perfect setup for exactly what you need. If you go over to bebettertomorrow.com support, click on the link there for DreamHost. You help support the show while getting the website that you need. All right, back to so the show. So the first part, the first place that she has to look is in her thought process. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking right now? being mindful of my thoughts. What are you thinking right now? What is the most dominant thought? We're going back to that. What is your most dominant thought? Okay, now that you've said it and you've spoken it or you've journaled it, because some people have a hard time speaking um, about their anxieties, but it's helpful for them to write it down. Now that you've spoken it or you journaled it, let's go back to how you're feeling now that you've identified it. When you disarm the thing that 
you really didn't know existed by identifying it. It's like yeah. when, when the house is infested, when the lights are out, the infestation is crawling around and you hear it, the lights turn on, there's nothing there, right? And it's the yeah, same thing with scatter. our bodies. <laughs> they scatter. And, and it's the same thing when, when we, um, as adults, we try to self-medicate and we think that we're scattering the, 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 the thoughts. We're not scattering the thoughts. We are probably numbing them or, or for, for a moment, but they're still there. Yeah, or hiding. Or hiding. So when you veg out, veg out, watch Netflix, your brain doesn't have the, the bandwidth to process some of those things. Or when you're laying down to sleep and you turn on, like I listen to podcasts to fall asleep. I've just gotten into that habit and now it shuts my brain down enough. This is the things from the day don't just don't keep running through my head. I can get to sleep. But if I wake up in the middle of the night and don't get right back to sleep, then my brain starts going and I've got to go through this kind of process because I don't want to wake my wife up. <laughs> All right, what am I thinking about? Do I need to write something down? Mm-hmm. Okay, why am, I, why am I on this right now? So it sounds like I'm doing some of this without recognizing it as mindfulness per se. And, and that's what I was saying. It can be practiced and it can be lived. Um, we, we are mindful of, we all have techniques that we use, um, especially people that are building, um, have, have building business or building a podcast or executives. We have things that we utilize that help us get through difficult tasks. We just will, probably won't call it mindfulness. And when you go to a, a practitioner or you go to have a coach or someone who helped you might be like, I never knew what I was doing, but this is what I've done. Right. Right. So it's, I mean, I totally get why this is important. It's part of the reason I've started to practice it part because we're being with so much input. Let's put it that way. So much going on from Facebook to the news, to the distraction in our pocket to really process mm-hmm. properly. feels like we have to take some time and whether that's quiet time journaling, meditation, some form of mindfulness. It sounds like all those things can, can fall under that umbrella to really give you a chance to mm-hmm. analyze your actions, what you're doing, your thought processes, make sure that you're kind of on the right page where you want to go and just, and kind of make those decisions. Cause other times we, we go, we'll op, just go on autopilot and we'll move through, we'll move through life without thinking about things. And, you know, a month or two years later, we'll be like, man, what did I, what have I been doing? It's been kind of day by day <laughs> kicking through and not, not, not knowing really what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Who am I? Where am I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other powerful thing is breath. Um, coupling healthy breathing along with thinking. So one of the ways that I, I get people to focus through a session is after I get them to start thinking of allowing their, their thoughts to, to flow and just being cognizant of their most dominant thought i invite them to start counting their breath so i'll do something like breathe in and count to four through your nose and then breathe out breathe in and breathe out now by focusing on breath when you're counting or you're trying to catch my count and i don't usually count out loud you'll just hear me say breathe in and then I'll make the breathing sound. I over-exaggerate it. And then I'll say uh-huh. breathe out. And I'll over-exaggerate the out breath. What happens is, it's like the Netflix thing. Your mind starts to switch from my dominant thought. So let me see if I can catch his 
pattern. Now you're still having <laughs> thoughts running through your, your mind. You're like, all right, am I breathing right? Am I all right? Well, he's on four and I've, I feel like I'm on three. <laughs> you might have, yep. But then what happens is by the time we get about a minute and a half to two minutes into it, I'll stop counting. I'll stop saying breathe in and breathe out. And then on autopilot, you'll start to be just going into these long, deep breaths. And something will, you'll start to feel a shift in your body. Now, if I'm watching, I'll say, if I see you tensing up in your shoulders, I'll say, relax your shoulders. I might see you um, tightening your, your butt cheeks. I would like, relax into your chair, fidgeting your toes, relax your feet on the ground find your grounding and I'll give you directions as you're going through these exercises and you'll find yourself at a state of peace and calm and relaxation. And even for a moment. So it's like when, when we get a computer and we never turn it off and a computer is like, I have to shut down. I have to shut down. I have to shut down. And we don't let it shut down. Eventually it shuts down on its own. And it usually happens at the most inconvenient time. Yeah. Right when you're trying to finish up your paper. Yeah. <laughs> because we didn't listen to the computer. And that's our brain. That's our body. That's our breath. We don't breathe properly. We don't sit properly. We just constantly keep the computer going. And even when we're sleeping, the computer is still going. Well, right. these exercises helps to shut the computer down even for a moment and five minutes, 10 minutes can go such a long way. But it's so counterproductive because you're telling me I have so much to do that I can't afford to, I can't afford to not stop and be mindful, which to my brain says that's not doing anything. So, mm -hmm. but it, but is that jump? It's the preparation, it's the planning and the helping your body to be ready to go. But it's so counterproductive <laughs> if you're that go get it, get it done, list, check it off kind of person. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, and I hate to use the word addictive, but because we all live in an addictive society, but it's become so addictive in, in, in a community because once you do it, you start to realize all of the benefits of it. <laughs> and, and you're like, man, I should have not, not done it. And the great, thing about, right. the great thing about it is when you get away from it, when you get away from it, you can always go back to it. We can always take a breath. We can always right. breathe in deep. Um, when I teach mindfulness in schools, and I teach yoga also in schools, uh, one of the things that we often identify to teachers or principals <clears throat> is that we always tell children to pay attention, but we never give them the, the currency to pay it with. <laughs> That's a good way to say it. I love that. I'm going <laughs> to... That'll be definitely a headliner that I put out for this. That's good. <laughs> Mindfulness is the currency. So I, when I say pay attention, you know, we give the attention, clap our hands in class, and the class respond with a clap our hand. If I say, all right, everybody, just take a deep breath. That breath, that one breath alone, done properly, can change the whole dynamic of energy in a room. Yeah. Pay attention, teachers. It can be really helpful to, to calm things down and get people's attention. Yeah, and that's how come you see a lot of schools moving from detentions and right, and they're doing mindfulness. Well, it's one of those things we never train kids on how to, like you said, pay attention or how to develop some of these soft skills and these disciplines we want them to have. 
we're, we're teaching so much to the, these written tests, but not to how do you resolve conflict or how do you understand your emotions and deal with them properly? Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you pay attention? How, what are these things that you need lifelong skills for, but we don't have a test for, so we don't bother. Or in, in a lot of cases, maybe the teachers aren't equipped because they haven't learned it themselves. Um, they mm-hmm. went to school and learned how to educate and they learned their subject, but maybe didn't learn these things that could be very helpful. So, and everyone is yelling. The kids are yelling. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the teacher's yelling. <laughs> Everyone's stressed out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, I, we homeschool and it's hard enough to do too. I, I couldn't imagine in a class of 30 that weren't mine. Yeah. Because you got to deal with somebody else's nonsense. Mm-hmm. At least I know when my kids are messed up. It's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so mindfulness is, is, and then we finally you have a mindfulness in motion, which we call uh, yoga movement or um, yoga, and it's a combination of breath and movement. When when we're doing yoga, we're doing movement. People get caught up in in the poses, and when I teach yoga, I don't like to get people caught up in the poses. I like to bring them to the connectivity between breath and and motion. That if I'm trying to focus on my breath properly when I'm in the pose and then I'm being mindful of how my body opens up to that pose, how my body becomes more flexible to that pose. And then I would say if you can become more flexible in your body, then it gives you the ability to also become more flexible in life, right? Um, Making those connectivities through our practice, especially I teach yoga in the low income housing areas and people who have never been exposed to the practice. So I have to always try to make connectivities mm-hmm. as I'm also exposing them to tools that they can use outside of the practice, taking those, these practices off the mat practices into their workplace or into their homes. So it's helpful to come up with antidotes and being mindful of a person's current condition and situation and then letting them know that they're in a safe space in their body and in their breath and in their, and in their, um, and in their mind, mind space. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I think we all can use a little bit of uh, intentionality, mindfulness to, to help not only our mental health, our physical health, everything mm-hmm. along what we're doing. Yeah. What other, uh, what are the big projects you got going on? We, we, we just started an eight-week training because the schools have been shut down and the city is um, shut down, basically, in New York. Uh, we, we've partnered with the New York Justice Department, and we're doing an eight-week training. Every day, we have uh, yoga and mindfulness courses for youth and young adults um, in the city. Then, not not in person though, right? Not in so person, online. Aren't... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not in person. I'm I'm a little fearful of that. Uh, That's fair. Uh, online training um, every day, and there's other activities, there's other um, agencies that came together to put this together, and then we're looking to expand. The name of our organization is called Urban Yogis, and our website is urbanyogis.org, and mm-hmm. we're looking to expand um, because of all that's happening around us in the world. I felt like I was reading an article and I was talking to my partner and I'm like, I think we need to show other practitioners, maybe some yoga teachers who are teaching, but want to 
really be able to teach inner city youth. Um, we're going to have an eight-week training on how to reach those youth well over the summer so that we can help people develop the skill set that we ha- we've had to learn in order to teach in inner cities, inner city schools, or inner city youth. And then um, we're going to have this leadership deal that we have going on, building and developing leaders, uh, dreamers, or people who have dreams that want to make their dreams into a reality. Um, those are my three major major projects. That, uh, all of those are going to be happening over the summer between now and August, I would say. When we're finalizing all of Good. all of these things. It's, I think it's important for me. I'm 44 years old and I've had a lot of life lessons. I pastor a church. I run two organizations. I have three kids. And I've been able to impact a lot of lives. And now... Uh, being able to take all of these lessons that I have and and segment them out to other persons so that they might be able to benefit from my life lessons and not necessarily make the same mistakes that I that I've made. Yeah, that's amazing. If you can take what you've what you've done and as far as those places and, and help somebody to skip over your mistakes, they can start in a, mm-hmm. yes. much yes. much further I, ahead. I know that you said you're an avid podcast listener and I have become one too. Um, over the last uh, three months, I, I really discovered how to listen to podcasts. <laughs> I, I, I was a radio talk radio listener, and I, and I found some really great podcasts. But I, I'm also a host of a podcast called Walking Victory, and it can be found on Apple iTunes and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Yeah, if you're driving or anything right now, those everything everything he's listed will be in the show notes along with all of his social media connections. Go into head over to bebettertomorrow.com slash twenty-five and you'll be able to find all that information. So Naran, we're coming close to the end here. I want to end with the question I ask all of my guests, and you've partly answered it already, but I'll just set you up to let you answer it thoroughly. Uh, what are you doing today to be better tomorrow? Being mindful. I'm breathing, <laughs> I'm doing yoga, and and I'm watching. And I'm, I'm having really tough conversations with my children. You know, my son is 16 years old. You know, he, he has a lot of tough questions about, about tomorrow. And I'm not avoiding those conversations. This was a, a delight. Good. Thank you so very much. I hope I was, um, I hope I was a good guest. You were, Neron. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> as always, you. everything can be found over at BeBetterTomorrow.com, all of Neron's information, all of our other episodes. Make sure to go over and check it out, and hopefully you have found something in this episode to help you be better tomorrow. Be Better Tomorrow is released under a Creative Commons 3.0 share-like attribution license, which means you can use this show or clips of it for anything you like as long as you give us credit and you aren't doing it for commercial purposes. The music you're hearing now is by Kevin McLeod of IncomTech, also released under Creative Commons Sharealike license. All the information about this show and others can be found at BeBetterTomorrow.com. And I hope, as always, you'll find something to help you be better tomorrow.